This is Moonshine and Music with Joe Shelton. Wait a minute, that's me. Anyway, we're going to bring you some inspiring songwriters, musicians, and maybe some side challenges and other stuff around the music industry. So stick with us right now, because the show is coming your way. Woo! Moonshine and Music starts right now. It's late as night They swim six deep I'm casting lines And she's biting She takes it all in She sips dark wine She's casting her pearls Before swine I'm enthralled cause she's enthralling My interest is appalling After all I'm falling for another Welcome to Moonshine and Music. Today we have Ryan M. Brewer on the program. Uh, Ryan has a brand new record out called Exorcism. You can find it on all the streaming localities near you. Yeah, in your hand or on your computer or yeah, it's got to be on your computer. It can't can't. Well, I guess it could be in your hand if you accessed it on your cell phone. Yeah, yeah, like on your mobile or on yeah, your yeah, on your mobile, your mobile device. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, it, I, you know, it's it's great to have you on the show. I don't know if you've uh, seen any of the shows before. Um, I, I just was watching um, uh, the show with the last Megan Christine Martin episode. Oh, um, she returned. Yeah. Yes, her return, her return visit. <laughs> I was just watching that uh, to reacquaint myself with the format, so that I would know what. To, well, that's what a whole I, different format. But, but yes, I um, we we we've been in Zoom land here for a little while. Um, yeah. Obviously due to the uh, coronavirus shutting down our normal place of shooting. Um, right. The, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy to put a crowd of folks in a room these days, so we <laughs> we're refraining from that. It's not easy, and, it's, and some might say it's unsafe to do so. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> it would be easy enough to get them in there, but then they might all go out sick. Right. Assuming, assuming there's a room and there are people, it would be relatively easy to have them walk in there. Uh, <laughs> just irresponsible at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, in, in some quarters, not legal at the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, uh, we do shoot at the books and brews location in, in, uh, Castleton and right now they're not allowed live entertainment. So you know, uh, that would be a, an issue for us if we did that, right? Strange times, right? I know, and I wouldn't even call it live anymore. Well, we do have a live audience usually, but uh, there's nobody here to applaud for you today, if that's yeah. okay. I mean, that's I can right. clap. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. I'll survive. I am, <laughs> you know, we're, we're songwriters, so we, we like that kind of attention, but, I, but I've, had to, I've had to wean myself off of it because it doesn't exist right now. Yeah, I mean, isn't it it's strange? I mean... Um, we go from playing, uh, you know, rooms with uh, anywhere from five to 500 people in them. That's generally the people that are on our show. And, um, <laughs> and it's five's know, a lot. 
honestly. That's a lot compared to zero. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes, uh, sometimes when I'm playing a live stream, it feels more like a live show because there's nobody in the room. It doesn't feel that different. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, uh, Ryan, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I'm central Indiana, born and raised. Uh, Alexandria, Indiana is where I was. Oh, where I did the most. Anderson. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just over by Anderson, between it, Twixt Anderson and Muncie, I guess. Um, yeah, I used to go up there occasionally. There was a uh, an auction there, like um, shots, shots auction. Yeah, and uh, I bought a couch there for five dollars once when I was dead broke. I uh, I got my wife's wedding ring there. Yep. See, <laughs> they're like you know that's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, the auction. Not right now. The auction seems like perhaps the unsafest place to be right now. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about it. But at the time, it was good fun. We just uh, once every couple months, we'd wander down there and see what there was to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was great at the time. You're, you know, I was dead broke, barely had a job. And, we, uh, we didn't know what we had, you I know, had little kids at the time. And like, you know, it was like three hours of entertainment for nothing. Like, you know, in a $5 couch to carry home on top of your car, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's, uh, we, did, we didn't know how good we had it back in those days. <laughs> right. We could all just willy-nilly sit in a room together with no face coverings. We had no idea. <laughs> Breathing in whatever rancidness was sitting next to us. What, whatever $5 couch off-put was coming Y'all don't want to know what was in that couch, right? right. <laughs> you can imagine Corona originated in that couch, I think. <laughs> you may be right. I mean, it just a $5 auction couch. Incubate in there. We bought a whole table of stuff once. Uh, <laughs> it, it, toward the end, they were like, okay, we've got this little box of stuff and this little box of stuff. And there was some old pro and he was like, uh, what are you guys wanting? And I was like, I kind of just got my eye on, it was this cup actually. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I really like that big giant water cup. That's really what I want. And he was like, just wait, just wait. And eventually the guy was like, all right, five bucks for the whole table. And he was like, now. <laughs> so my girlfriend at the time and, 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 and I were like, okay, now we give the $5. And we're like, wait, this whole table is ours now? I drew. I really just want the cup. <laughs> all I wanted. You got to take the rest of this crap. Yeah, take all. You got to figure out what to do with the rest of this stuff. So we just started <laughs> calling up other people. We were like, friends, parishioners, please join us. Take whatever you will from this, <laughs> from this table. It's on us. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, you grew up in Alexandria. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I assume uh, the uh, music bug hit you early. Were your parents uh, musicians? Uh, uh, well, it's it's like so many. Uh, I, I started at church, I guess, um, was was the deal. But I didn't I didn't really. So much of my life was was soccer. I was a soccer player, and early on, my dad told me uh, we we don't have enough money to send you to college. So if you want to go to school, uh, you're going to have to be real good at a sport. Um, I didn't quite, I liked writing lyrics and poems and things like that, but I didn't quite see how writing lyrics and poems was going to translate real easily into me getting to go to college for free. So, uh, so I, I was so much of my focus was soccer. And then, uh, so I didn't really take songwriting seriously at all until, uh, junior, senior year of high school is when I started to really try to 
write songs and get better at it and treat it like a like a um, you know a muscle that I needed to improve. And um, I my going into my freshman year of college on soccer scholarship, I uh, was on a scooter, a razor scooter, and broke my ankle. Oh. And uh, kind of lost throughout that whole debacle. I lost the love for soccer and, and started focusing on writing songs full time instead and been doing that ever since. So what school did you go to? What college was that? I went to Marion College at the time. It's Marion University now. They have a feetball team now. They're very they're very they're highfalutin now. Uh, we were just a just just an unassuming college back then. <laughs> With a soccer team. Yeah, with a soccer team and uh, a broken ankled um, freshman. Well, you know, the scooters are kind of dangerous. I mean, uh, as someone who has seen the people in downtown Indianapolis who rent scooters mm. and have forgotten that they're actually hard to ride. They can. They can be. Um, I th I'm, I'm not sure if my parents still think that I was on a Razor scooter going to class. Uh, but I was most assuredly on a razor scooter at a skate park, uh, <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing kick flips off of skateboarding ramps and, um, did not land it successfully, uh, and, 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 uh, torched the old ankle there, but, uh, yeah, coach, vibe and it didn't work out. Yeah. Coaches and admin and parents all were under the impression I was just on the way to class. Um, <laughs> Of course. So hopefully my parents don't watch this, or they do, and it just feels like I've gotten a load off my shoulders, you know? Well, that's what we're here for, is to unload all those burdens. It's about honesty here. Moonshine exactly. Music. exactly. So uh, Exorcism uh, is your new record. How many records do you have out there? Uh, I, had I tried a, to seek this number out earlier, but I, I, I had lost a, count. I had a self-titled and I had tr uh, in 2012, and I had... Um, Trails in 2014, and then I released a live album uh, called Take It With a Shaker in 2015, and then uh, Addercism, which is the, the, the prequel, I guess, to, to Exorcism, came out in 2017, and then Exorcism would be that one. So however many that is, <laughs> four or five or something. Five? Sounds like five. Yeah. Yeah. Feels, yes. like, feels like that's a good number. Feels like five. Um, so, um, do, do you find that on, along the way on, on making uh, the new records that, um, it, it's more exciting with each one or, um, is it, is it a different kind of feel for you? Like, you know, the first one, obviously everybody's thrilled. It's their first record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, <laughs> you just can't wait to get it out. You're like, I, I think with that first record, I had a batch of songs and I was like, this is going to be the record. And I called a friend of mine, um, Dr. Richard Napley, uh, uh, from Dr. Richard, on your first record? from Dr. Richard's audio remedies, huh? um, uh, that Dr. Richard, the, the, um, the the myth and legend of Dr. Richard travels far and wide. He was a you know promising dentist and left his career uh, to live the life of a broke musician in Brooklyn. Uh, but before that, before all that, he was none of none or some of that is true. 
but he was uh, the guy who did my first record. I had all these songs ready, and I got in touch with Richard, and I was like, dude, I, I want to I do a record. And, and he said, okay, well, like two weeks from now. Can we do it two weeks from now? And I'm like, yeah, I got the songs ready. Let's do it. And in those two weeks, I ended up writing seven new songs and did those instead. Uh, so it's like there's something about going into the studio, like making the decision that like I'm going to go into the studio that that causes just this like these these this floodgates to open. And so that's what happened with the first record. And, and I'd like to say I've grown out of that. But um, I at least didn't record the new songs this time. Right. So 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 when I knew I was going to do Exorcism, I had the songs ready. I recorded those songs, but while I was recording those songs, wrote like 10, 12 more songs and was like, no, this is, those are not songs for this record. Those are songs for a different record. You need to stay focused. So I guess I grew up a little bit between the first one and the most recent one. You know, it's an interesting phenomenon that you just uh, addressed. I I experienced the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I get in and start recording and suddenly there's like extra songs that get written. Mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> they're not even on purpose they just happen right yeah i think it's i think it's like a it's a combination of a lot of different things i think a part of it has to do with like that uh as as songwriters and performers were kind of towing that line in between the confidence that it takes to walk into a, a bar or a restaurant or a venue and say i know you've been listening to all your favorites on the jukebox but turn that shit off. You're going to listen to me for a while. Like you need that confidence, but then you also have that near debilitating, um, uh, a near debilitating anxiety that maybe you're not any good. And I, I think that I always go, I've got these songs and I'm ready to go into the studio. And then it's time to like press record. And I'm like, all oh, these songs suck. These are terrible. I got to write new ones. <laughs> so, I, mean, yes, I, I, I get this feeling like I need one more. I don't, maybe I don't have the one in here. Right. Right. Maybe, the, maybe, maybe if I just keep going, but I, I kind of got lucky, I guess, with exorcism because it is like conceptually kind of the follow up to to Addercism, which was the last record. And so I, I kind of was bound to those tunes in that way because those those seven songs that were coming as a follow-up to Addercism couldn't really be replaced, right? They had I had I kind of had a purpose for all seven of those songs. So I got lucky in that respect that I that even though I was writing new songs, it was like, no, you gotta put those aside. Those will be for your next thing, whatever your next thing is. So I got to I got to focus by by default, I suppose. So with this uh, exorcism record, do you feel like it's, uh, it, you know, it, it sounds like you had a whole theme going. Uh, yeah, so. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I, I listened to the record uh, one time through, and, um, I mean, the there, there's a experience of listening to it, and then there's the experience of watching it in your interactive website. Right. It's. Uh, I hope that's a different thing. I hope it, 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 it is sort of different yeah. because yeah. it, um, it made me like immerse myself maybe a little bit more as I was playing with the, with the website. I mean, um, I, uh, so I, I, you know, is there, um, is there a particular song in here where you feel like, Hey, that was the impetus for the rest of them? Or, uh, did did you have a theme and then write the songs? Like all good, good question. I, I think, I don't know that I had a song where I was like, okay, this is the anchor point and the rest of the songs are going to fan out from there. I think 
um, it was more that, you know, addercism, the idea of addercism, it's a uncommon word, um, but is related to exorcism, which is obviously a much more common word. But addercism is kind of about, you know, harnessing your demons or harnessing your possessing spirits and then using them to some end. Uh, whereas exorcism is about, I've been possessed and I want to get these demons out, right? So, so the idea of addercism is kind of teaming up with your demons to accomplish something. So I was in a different place in 2017. It was, it was a very sad place. I used to call it a funk. Now I just call it depression. I was depressed. Uh, <laughs> a lot of us so, know that word. Right, you know, that, that word depression. So uh, uh, I decided... Well, if, if the depression's not going anywhere, I'm going to, like, harness it like a mule and try to plow the back 40, right? So um, I, I decided to use the depression to write addercism, and then I, I felt very much like when I wanted to sit down and, and, and write new songs for a new record, I felt very much like I was in a position of in my life where I was ready to move on beyond those demons. I was ready to move on beyond uh, the depression and... Uh, I had I had I had met my now wife and um, things were going well and I thought it's time to kind of update the catalog to reflect who you are and where you are now. Um, but I was still working through a lot of those issues that I was depressed about, right? So I thought I'll write these songs as the exorcism, right? This is this is these songs are going to be the exorcism. So rather than you know, addercism, which kind of comes from a point of, I'm this sad guy and things keep happening to me. Um, they, they, they keep, I, I'm, I'm very passive and things just keep happening to me. Exorcism is more about looking back on those scenarios and going, no, you had something to do with what was going on. Like you're, you're at least 50% to blame for all of the interactions that you had with people, right? Like it, it's up to you to take responsibility for the things that you did, the things that you said, the ways that you acted back then um, that could have led to some of these things that happened to you. So it was more, I guess, to directly answer your question instead of meandering like I tend to do, I, I suppose it was more that I, I settled on that topic of, okay, how can I take these same kind of ideas and instead of coming from them, for, uh, coming at them from this angle, I can come at them from a more, I like to think a more mature, uh, a more um, empathetic, a more, um, a more objective place. And so I'm dealing with a lot of the same topics as I was in, in Addercism, but I'm, I'm hoping that I'm dealing with them as a, as a more rounded individual and, and, and less of a sad sack, I suppose. Well, you know, um, I, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of sad sack songwriter, singer-songwriter albums mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a strong theme, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Especially if that's where you're at. Like if that's where you're at in your life is that you're a sad sack. That's what comes out, you know? Um, you can't help it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I was, um, you know, as I, as I listened through it, I, I was uh, um, surprised at the end of the record when I got a duet. Yeah, um, and um, and, and I, who who was with the with you on the duet? Um, Katie Peterson. Yeah, I, I thought so. I didn't yeah. like see the name. Uh, the title was cut off, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. in, my, in my player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In my, in my Apple Music, it was like, you know, I could see 
featuring K A. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And, and then I heard when I heard her sing, I I, I thought it was Katie Peterson, but uh, yeah, Katie's uh, incredible. And, and that song's and, Angels and Muses, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Katie is uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm always, I, I love this uh, thing whenever there's a, a duet on a record and the artist that's putting out the record lets the, the other person sing the first verse. Like, I feel <laughs> like it's, it's like, um, I, I have a, a duet with Melissa Sandulo on my last record where Melissa also great, also great. And, and, and I, I love that like vibe of, you know, here's this song and there's a whole different voice, like just right out of the gate, you know? Um, yeah. Sent to save me, to wreck me, destroy me, or protect me. Faith, it seems she uses her angels and her muses. To light my many fuses After all resentment And hating for these gorgeous ghosts all fading Adore them all the more they press me forward The bellows in the furnace built to forge Did you think about it that way when you were putting the song together, or was it just a natural? Um, well, the the, uh, the way that song, the way that tune kind of grew from, you know, like the way every song starts for me is me sitting at my acoustic guitar noodling around. Right. And um, I, I kind of wrote that song, and it was kind of completed start to finish. And as I was playing it, I just kept finding myself thinking, I wish I was better at piano uh, because I would make this song a piano song. I feel like this song deserves to be primarily piano. It just seems like there's kind of a weight and a gravity that piano can bring to songs uh, that I that I sometimes feel is missing from an acoustic guitar. So I... I'm a huge Katy Perry, Katy, Katy Perry. I'm a huge Katy, I am a Katy Perry fanboy, but I'm a Katy Peterson Perry fanboy. It's going to greatly help your album sales. No kidding, right? So I asked Katy Perry and she didn't reply. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I asked, uh, I asked Katy, I, I said, hey, is, is there any way that if I sent you a song that you would be willing to sit down and just cover it? Just sit down just you and a metronome and your piano and just give me piano track and vocal track. And that's it for this, for this song. Would you be willing to do that? And she's like, of course, because she's the sweetest thing on the planet. So I sent her the song and uh, she was like, okay, I like this song. How do you want me to arrange it? And I was like, I don't want any part 
of how you arrange this song. I want you to cover it. Like you, you just cover this song. And so she kind of, she changed the key. She changed some of the chord progressions in going into the last chorus. She changed a lot of things and she sent it back to me and I, and I was in love with it. And I was like, this is what I wanted this song to be the whole time. Like with like from the, from the moment I had this song finished, this is how I wanted, this is the weight that I wanted this song to have. Um, so, but then I thought to myself, I, I, it would sound too weird probably if I just had my record <laughs> end with just Katie and her piano. That would be weird. <laughs> um, so I got in and started tinkering and I'm like, I got to do at least one verse and I got to do, um, I got to do uh, some harmonies and that kind of thing just to make this seem like it's a duet and less like a Katie cover. So I took her piano part and her vocal part and dropped it in and started tinkering and adding things and subtracting things and eventually ended up with the arrangement that we that you hear on on the record and and it just Katie's so good that it like it seemed absolutely ludicrous to me at the time that she didn't get top billing of the song. Like it just seemed like Katie needs to be the first voice that you hear on this tune. And she just brings she brings this she brings this confident brokenness to everything that she performs um their voice just has this quality of being right what it needs to be at all times and she knows that but also she brings this vulnerability to it so there's this this confident vulnerability in in katie's voice that i just i adore and so I'm just I'm I'm tickled that she was willing to even consider doing it, and I'm even more tickled that it turned out the way it did. I'm really happy with it. Well, I thought it was a fabulous end to the record, a very good song, and um, and I really like the first one on there too. I feel like the end caps are super strong. Uh, mm -hmm. It's ladies' night at the start, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and um, yeah, you know, I it it starts off and. Um, I feel like the entire tone of the record is set, which is you know to me album order. Is, is very important. I'm an album guy. I grew up in the 80s, so everything was an album, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. So, so like, um, the album order to me is very important to, you know, to the message that's happening, especially, you know, now that I know that really you were totally going for the theme. I, you know, mm -hmm. I felt like that was the case when I was listening to it, but, you know. Uh, I'm That makes me so happy. I'm glad that part landed. I, I really am. Yeah, so, you know, I really dug that that tune as well because it just set the tone for what was going to ha happen. And I felt like the end caps were fabulous. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I, I, you're welcome. Um, I, I, you know, the, the thing that happens so often with um, with indie albums are that uh, uh, you, you have, like, two or three songs that are in one theme and two or three that are in another. And it's almost like folks didn't get the memo that, you know, when you're creating an album, it, it's kind of, maybe it should all be the same. <laughs> right. Or something like some yeah. thread of the same right. or, or, or something. And, um, and so that that's, it's nice when, when, uh, you know, an artist takes the time to make sure that the, you know, all the songs on the record go together and <laughs> you know, yeah. as a collection. Yeah. There, and yeah, and I feel like I've always been a bit of a, of a, I guess of a, a genre phobe. Uh, I've always had a, a little bit of trouble committing to any one genre. Like I've always been concerned that, well, if I'm, if am I pigeonholing myself? Am I pigeonholing my storytelling? Because to me, 
songwriting is about songwriting is about fostering empathy it's about telling a story ultimately uh we're trying to we're trying to take these things that we're thinking these these emotions that we're all collectively feeling and we're trying to tell them in a way that people can relate to yeah but also in a way that's completely uh unique and so i want to tell a story and i feel like pigeonholing myself into one genre or another makes it difficult to tell the story and um, I think that I think that the the goal then becomes okay. Well, if you're if you're really kind of doing, you got some acoustic songs in there with some some uh, some Americana feel, but there's also some a little bit of jazz feel, and there's also a little bit of uh, folk and a little bit of rock and a little bit of pop and a little there can drums and 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 electronic drums and things like that, and you go, okay, well, what is going to be the through line that holds this record together? And I've always kind of come back to the fact that it just ultimately has to be your voice and it has to be your, and not necessarily my physical voice, but like my, my, my storytelling voice, you know, my my voice as a a songwriter and as a, as a lyricist. And I feel like that's got, I've got to kind of lean on that as the thing that holds everything together. And so I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that it doesn't sound like a bunch of disparate tunes. Like it does, it does <laughs> no, feel it, like it, it, they all it, stick so together. I mean, um, you know, one, uh, the, back in the, the ancient days, um, there's, you know, there's records like Hotel California and things that are inspirational to me as an artist uh, when I'm making records. So the, the weirdest thing being an artist is to like hear another one and go, oh, you know, this is something that I can really relate to and get into because it follows what I feel is how a progression of a record should be, you know? And, yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's what I, you know, I, I'm tuned into that whenever I'm, you know, it's what so much of kind of pop music today is kind of missing. It isn't that they don't have really cool beats or they don't have like a really awesome, you know, kind of one song, but then you jump into their album and you, you just like, I'm like playing hopscotch. Like there's nothing in here. You know, right. like okay, skip three, skip four. Oh, five is pretty good. You know, yeah. And, and, right. and, yeah. And, and when you're into that theme of it, it doesn't matter if the particular songs are great if they fit the the theme. You know, like it, again, Hotel California as an album. You know, a couple of those songs aren't something that I would pull out and listen to just as a single. Mm. But in the you know, if you're gonna listen to Hotel California, I would suggest listening to the album. And get right. Whole, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Work of it, you know. Yeah. And then, and those things fit, and they may not be the greatest singles in the world, but they're part of the collection. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I, I'm a huge, I'm an album guy. Uh, I, it's an unpopular thing to say as an independent artist right now, but I'm a huge Spotify fan. Uh, in that it allows me to, it allows me to avoid a lot of what you're talking about in that I, you know, I get to listen to the whole record the day that it comes out. I don't have to hear singles. I don't have to hear, pick up things on the radio. I just listen to the whole record and I can go, okay, this person's either doing something that I can appreciate and get into or they're not. Um, and, and I do think, I do think that especially right now, especially right now in this what feels like a really pivotal moment in history. Uh, it feels like things are going to change in one way or the other for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, I, 
<laughs> everything from you know from the, the the Black Lives Matter movement to the Me Too movement to COVID nineteen to, uh, to murder the Trump murder. presidency to um, I mean you know something like uh, there, there, it, it, it seems like we've been living in a a, a time when everything is a fear mm. you know and it, some of the fears are really well founded mm-hmm. some of them are not. You know, some of them mm-hmm. are just whatever crazy internet news, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and and it becomes a confusing world in which we have to try to filter out those, like, what's important? What what piece of information do I really need to listen to? And what piece of information did, you know, eight guys in a, in a back room over here cook up and now all of us are scared shitless? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I think it's important to really find the avenues down which you can walk and feel like you can find some truth. And, and I think, I think I, I try to think about, I try to think about my relationship with music as kind of a dichotomy in that and I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. I'm sure all songwriters are the same way. We write songs, we create songs, we make songs, we perform songs, right? We like to talk about songs. We like to talk about making songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but at the same time, we're also consumers of music, and we also consume things, and we also take in songs, and we also analyze songs, and all those kinds of things. And I and I feel like it's very easy in 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 situations like what we're in now. Uh, it's very easy to listen to zone out and listen to songs that are about how good everything is and about how everything's fine and about how you're in love and happy and about how, uh, you know, it feels great to, to crack a beer down by the river and, 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 you know, wear your Daisy Dukes and shit. It, dude, dude I, I, I'm in need of a good crack a beer down by the river song just for, <laughs> if for no other reason than to just clear my head, you know, like yeah. it doesn't have to be like, profound yeah like a a real good one you know one that just comes out and you go oh hell yeah i can sing that why not you know (laughs) i think there's a time i think there's certainly a time and a place for that but but i also think that it's important that we make a conscious decision as consumers to listen to musicians who are trying to figure things out um always and i and i think it's and i think there's and that's the same the same goes for the television that i consume or try to consume or uh, the books that I try to read, or um, the movies that I try to watch, or the stand-up comedy that I try to watch. Like I have a hard time with TV shows, movies, and comedy that 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 have no heart. It's just there was thirty, there was twenty-three minutes of we laughed about stuff, and then the next episode, it's like none of that shit happened. Everything's new and starts over, and there's twenty-three new minutes of funny stuff that happened. I have a hard time with that. Like, I'm like, where are the repercussions of these actions? Where are we? What do we understand about these characters? Uh, and I, I think, I think it's important that we, that we find that balance, right? That that music that music can be an escape, and music can be fun. But and and this goes for all art, I guess. I just say art in general, art can be an escape and art can be fun, but art should also challenge you. And art should also be something, something that you have to think about. And art should also be something that, uh, I think that it's easy sometimes to avoid that second part, right? It's easy to, it's easy to go. I'm, I'm not going to participate in, in the difficult 
song listening and the difficult songs. I'm not going to listen to songwriting that comes out of a face that doesn't look like mine, right? I think I think sometimes it's important we make these decisions and these distinctions and go, I'm going to go listen to something that might make me feel uncomfortable and might challenge my umwelt and might challenge the way that I think about the world. And I think that's real important right now. And that's a that's an ax that I have to grind because I think that music, music can foster empathy and music can make us better people and make music can connect us with people who we might not have anything else in common with. And I guess understand but, things from a different point of view. Exactly. You know, I mean, sure. that, that happens a lot. I, you know, I credit uh, a couple of, uh, you know, the, <laughs> in my own life, a, a couple of years ago, I had uh, my older brother who was, really close to me pass away and um you know a couple of the songwriters that i met right after that really you know they helped me get through it you know mm-hmm. and, you know <laughs> and yeah you know uh one of them is is chris wilson you know i, I don't know if you know chris um, i do yeah not very well but i i do i've played a show or two with chris yeah i mean and, and we you know we played a whole bunch of tuesday night things together and um and it was like you know just getting that little bit of you know what comes out of his music and you know what (laughs) and those things made me you know just i i felt like you know hey i'm not the only one that's sad this will yeah 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 i think that's so first of all condolences on your brother that's i mean damn some of that stuff he's singing about sad you know yeah chris chris gets in there doesn't he and and so Um, you, you know you you just uh uh, it's like, hey, man, maybe it'd be all right if I didn't write a happy song for once. Or, you know, it'd be all right if yeah. I listened to a whole record of, you know, uh, just like swallowing in in the depression to go, hey, you know, this is, this is, um, this is, I'm not alone in this. And this is a good, you know, this is a good way to get out of it a little bit, right? To, to yeah, for sure. Condolences on your brother, man. I can't, I can't imagine that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, sure, but I, and I think, I think that three like, years and it feels like three minutes, you know, uh, um, and that's, that's the, that's the way that it is in life. Right. You lose yeah. somebody that's really close to you. And, uh, and, uh, you know, somebody said, um, you know, you, life and life and death are the same thing, right? It's, it's the, it's, it's just part of it. It's, it's the, yeah. the world, you know, I read a, I read a friend's, um, I read a friend's, uh, he sent me a screenplay that he'd been working on the other day and it deals with the death of loved ones. And he, he said something, uh, in the screenplay that I thought was fascinating. He said, uh, when you have someone close to you pass away, it's like someone straps like uh, heavy weight to your shoulders and it's more than you can carry and it makes you fall down. And he said, that weight never goes away and it never gets lighter. You just get stronger and better at carrying it as you, as you move forward. And I thought that was, I thought that was really poignant. It is. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's really good. That's, 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 uh, that's the kind of thing that, um, that, you know, it's universally true and you don't really know it until you experience it. You know, um, there've been a couple of times in my life where I've had things like that, where, you don't really know what it's like until you experience it. One of them was when I became a parent, you know, like it, people can tell you what it's like or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're completely clueless until you are one, you know? I, um, so I'm certainly clueless about that for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and, and you know, and, and losing someone like your brother is, is it's the same kind of thing. You know, I, I'd lost friends and things, but it was, um, you know, it was different, you know? 
Yeah. And um, so I love that little thing that you just uh, threw out there. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad, man. I hope I hope the film gets made eventually, so I can recommend it to you. But <laughs> I mean, I, if any film, I'm huge into movies. What about do you? Like what? Do you like movies? A movie guy, yeah. I've I've been less of a movie guy lately, just because I feel like we've been in a golden age of television. I feel like TV has been so good. <laughs> The last five to ten years that I, I used to, I was I was a guy who went to the, like all the way through high school, all the way through college. I was at the movies watching something in the movie theater two, three times a month at least. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of got to a point where with, with Netflix and Hulu and, and, and all this kind of stuff, I'm like, man, TV is so good right now. And I can kind of immerse myself in these characters instead of immersing myself for two hours, I can immerse myself for like 50 hours over the course of the, of the next six yeah. months. And like, yeah, I mean like the, the quarantine started and my wife and I started at the start of CSI. Like, <laughs> ah, a lot of that's, a, that's an undertaking. Aren't there like 49 seasons of that, aren't there? I, I don't think there were that many seasons, but there were certainly like 25 episodes a season or something. It wasn't like yeah. these, you know, Game of Thrones where they chintz out with like eight episodes a season. Eight episodes a season, right? Yeah. Like, like four. I mean, it's like a commitment to get. <laughs> yeah, I've been going. I'm, I'm like a, I'm a complete. Like, locked in the house. Let's, let's go for it. You know? Right. Let's do it. We're, we, my, my wife and I have been doing, uh, We've been doing Sopranos, and uh, that's very, very heavy television. Um, so every every once in a while, we have to go. Let's take a break from the Sopranos. Let's watch something else tonight. So we, yeah, you know, I have to like uh, intersperse. Uh, you know, like we've been doing SVU and Criminal Minds now, right? Mm. I, I intersperse those with like an episode of Glee or something, just to completely <laughs> go with something that there's no. Disney- something to cleanse the palate. Yeah. You watch it. It's like, it's not very good. It's completely cheesy. And (laughs) and mine's been, mine's been uh, my palate cleanser lately has been animaniacs. I've, uh, I've been absolutely uh, just fascinated going back through and watching animaniacs. And I'm like, man, when I watched this as a kid, so much of what is going on in that show, just, just, just way over my head. You know what? I, yes. I had that experience. Do you do you know Rocky and Bullwinkle? Do you remember the Rocky? Yeah, and Bullwinkle? Huh? yeah, yeah. The original cartoons back mm-hmm. hundred years ago. Yeah. When I was a kid, those were those were old already. You know. Right. They, yeah. They, they were they were on on Saturday morning or whatever, and I'd watch mm-hmm. like some of them. And then uh, I was like, I think my kids were like eight or nine, and and they were like, uh, you know, what's this Rocky and Bullwinkle thing? I'm like. Hey, I used to watch that when I was a kid and I started watching it and I'm just cracking up laughing like the whole way through. They're, right. they're missing like half the jokes because all of them are like adult jokes. Like, right. I didn't realize it when I was a kid, how, you know, yeah. <laughs> how adult how much it was. Of that's going on. <laughs> and they just, there's a scene, there's a scene in Animaniacs the other day that just absolutely blew my mind. I was like, I cannot believe they got away with this in a children's <laughs> show. There's a, uh, there, real, real quick. It's, it's hilarious. There's a, there's this scene where they're at a crime scene, right? And uh, and Yakko, Wacko, and Dot are the are the detectives that are gonna that are gonna for some reason that are gonna be in charge of getting to the bottom of this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Yakko goes, uh, Dot, quick, um, uh, dust for prints. Or she goes, look. He says, look for prints. 
And uh, she goes, okay. And then the kind of show kind of goes on for, for 30 seconds or so. And then she comes walking back in. She's carrying Prince, like P-R-I-N-C-E. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, I found Prince. And Yakko goes, no, I meant fingerprints. And Prince looks at her and winks at her. And she looks at him and goes, I don't think so. And throws him away. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I don't think you can do that on a television show for kids. <laughs> Hilarious. To me. He goes whoosh right over the <laughs> right. As a little kid, just whoo, gone. But as an adult, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? You're allowed to do this? It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Um, well, if we were going to roll out of this episode with a track off the new record, uh, what track would, would we play? Uh, well, I mean, Aphrodite is the, the single that we've been that we've been pushing. But I mean, we talked a lot about Angels and Muses. So I, I would I would I'll probably play that one when we in the part where we talk. Oh, OK, well, then let's do Aphrodite on the way out. Aphrodite on the way out. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for coming into the show. And uh, it was great having you here and uh, great meeting you. And uh, thanks for doing Moonshine and Music. Dude, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Moonshine and Music is a presentation of Not Less Entertainment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. The producer for today's show was Joe Shelton. Our cameraman grip and stunt double was Brent Lee Smith. On cameras and all sorts of other things, Bailey Shelton. And our staff guru is Brent Schlemmer. Join us each Sunday for new episodes right here with Moonshine and Music. <laughs>